This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Catherine Canty. Catherine is a tenacious connector and recovering banker. She is a leadership coach helping high potential managers turn into senior leaders. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate um, being here with you and, and sharing lessons learned. And if I can help overcome somebody's challenges down the road by mistakes I've made, I'm glad to share. Awesome. So uh, tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Um, For the past 20 years, I've been in a conservative environment working for a bank. And um, I spent 12 years with a community bank in the southeast of U.S. And then the uh, last seven years was actually with a rural agriculture bank. And I traveled the United States supporting Um, these rural banks, and they needed extremely large lines of credit to operate to fund these communities, and then also all the technology that they needed to run their day-to-day operations. About a year ago, I stepped out on my own. I I kept wanting to climb the ladder and and continue to learn, and I knew at some point I was going to have to go out on my own and started to put some um, research in place about two years before I left, and that led me down the leadership development path. And I worked closely with Marshall Goldsmith before I stepped out. And uh, for the past uh, year, I've trained and worked with about 20 individuals, some in a group setting, some in individual settings. And they set goals on leadership behaviors that they wanted to improve upon to advance their careers. And using the experience that I used and the books that I've read over the years combined with Marshall Goldsmith's uh, Stakeholder Center Coaching, We apply that method and I'm very much into measurable results. I think what we're going to set out to do needs to be measured and whether or not this is going to be success or not and how do we learn from it. So within 90 days, I measured all these folks um, by their stakeholders perception, not by my perception. And 100% of the individuals that I've worked with have been able to create success as seen by their peers and seen by their stakeholders to improve on their leadership skills which now enables them to be ready for the C-suite in the next level of their career. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, uh, well, me personally, obviously, it could be up for a debate. But in terms of kind of skills, when I look in terms of hiring someone or promoting someone, I really value soft skills and emotional IQ over kind of, you know, book smarts or anything that I can teach. Because I think if anyone has the passion to advance or learn something, even if they don't know that subject matter, they will pick it up quickly and learn it and, you know, be proficient at it. But it's hard to teach in terms of emotional empathy or a vast or, you know, over time in terms of experiences, uh, emotional IQ. So I think soft skills are very important. So in terms of kind of what you've seen, if you were to have kind of a blank canvas, what would you kind of work on first in terms of uh, the leadership perspective? I think. Um The soft skills are extremely important. It feels like that's something that's not taught as easily. I remember working for one CEO and he said, I can hire data entry people all day long. Those are easy to come by. 
I have to find people who can think strategically, who can anticipate where this business is going and how are we going to evolve to be able to sustain what we need to and take care of our customers. So his challenge, even at a CEO position, has always been finding strategic thinkers, people who are not yes people, people who are going to come back and bring various solutions or may even come back and say, I don't have an answer, but this is kind of what I'm thinking about right now and just troubleshoot it. And a lot of times the problem may not be an easy solution. We may have to take bits and pieces from other solutions that we've learned from over the years in order to create that solution. So creative thinking has always been um, something that has helped with my career, but also being able to embrace our constraints along the way. Um, as I worked in banking, I flipped countless houses while I traveled on the road. I just kind of leave a list of what we needed to get done. But in order for me to be successful with flipping houses, I had to embrace my constraints. My constraints are money. I only have so much money. Um, I only have so much time. So these flips needed to be pretty easy to be able to handle. And then I could only be geographically within a certain area to check on these houses. I couldn't travel around the country to check on houses I wanted to flip. So I had to embrace those constraints. And I have found that embracing these constraints allowed me to get creative in order to succeed, not just in my personal life with house flipping, but also in my career. So as I met with new customers and existing customers, we had to embrace what we were given to work with and then figure out solutions from there. So the creativity has been a, has been a key part. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's, it's an important skill also. Like not everybody is handed like the perfect scenario. Oftentimes when you take over a leadership role or if there's oftentimes, well, from my experiences in terms of kind of the corporate side, in terms of marketing with Fortune 500s, either directly in-house or through agencies, there's oftentimes high turnovers and the whole team gets turned over. So you're starting anew. You have to build kind of allegiances that that uh, that team that's not as senior may have, you know, some way that they're thinking about what their bosses got let go. And it's just kind of building trust. And I think it's important to kind of establish yourself in that way. And me, I don't know if it's debatable or not, but I think everybody is in a leader in their own way, regardless if they're in a leadership role or, or not, but not everybody is designed to be a traditional leader, you know, have people report to them, whether it's one person, a thousand people, and I think a person in that role, I think, has to come to terms with that. So they may get thrown into, you know, a C-suite role and they may not, you know, not want it in the sense that it doesn't make them happy or passionate. So I think that's important to kind of evaluate on an individual basis if you want to kind of be hands-on, creative in that sense, or, you know, take that kind of leadership role and, and run with it. I totally agree. And I think leadership is going to be at different places. Leadership could mean that you have thousands of people that report to you or leadership could be you don't have anyone that reports to you. And this is even trickier. You're expected to create change and no one reports to you. And so I was in a position for seven years at this agriculture bank where we needed to create change, but no one worked for me. So why would anybody want to help me? And when you lead with value and lead with helping other people, they're more than likely to come back and want to help you. Um, so I shared with some recent um, um, college graduates, let's lead with value and how can you help other people overcome their struggles? Because if you can lead with that over what you want out of that relationship, you're going to be able to get more done by helping other people before you help yourself. So, you know, I think, 
the world is heading more towards this leadership position where you don't always have a lot of people that work for you and you're still going to have to drive change. And I've used that process over and over again in my career, whether it was at the bank or at home within my community, trying to help other people first before I tried to ask for what I needed. Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed currently? Obviously, those motivations may have changed over time, but what currently motivates you to succeed? I think it's just this inner peace that's within me that's competitive. Um, I grew up playing golf on a golf course and um, everything was was just very competitive. You wanted to do the best that you could. Um, but then you also see that there's a lot of people that that need help. And if we can help other people, there is also a sense of pride to be able to help. And you don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. Very often, I'm the introvert, the quiet person in the back, and they probably don't expect a whole lot. But I do ask for things. I've asked for community leaders to come together, and I ask them a simple question. Do you think that that our community needs reliable broadband? And when you can bring together a diverse group of individuals, different backgrounds, different experiences, and we can all agree on that one thing, nobody was paying me to ask these questions. I knew that we needed that in our community to sustain long term. And those opportunities then led into other successes. So um, being able to um, just have the curiosity, figure out where you can help. And I truly believe that if you help enough other people that, that it'll come around when you need to be able to, you know, receive at the same time. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's kind of a mindset, or at least for me, uh, doing things just to do them because they're right, you know, finding value, or if you're an organization, if you see kind of a bottleneck in another department, and you think you know a solution, you know, help with that, like you said, tap, tap other teams that may not report to you. And obviously, at the end of the day, you're working to, for a common goal, whereas obviously growing a company, growing revenue, and if everybody can contribute in that in their own way, and you're not looking for anything in return, obviously, if you're adding value to somebody else, and it's baking their lives, their jobs, their bottom line better and bigger, they're more likely to come back like, okay, this person did this. And then when the time comes, if you're working on something, they may jump into that project just because you know, you're willing to help. Definitely helps with the sponsorship relationships when you're within a corporate environment or you're within a business environment or even a community. Um, there's a big difference between just the mentor and the sponsor. You know, the mentor is the one that you're going to be able to bounce ideas back and forth. The sponsor is the one that believes in you, whether or not you've done this or not. And sponsorship relationships are vital. And I'm not going to be where I am sitting right now without the sponsors that helped me. And these are the folks that believed in me. I didn't know if I could do it. You know, they didn't know for sure, but they knew that I had a track record of showing up and doing hard work and delivering results. And so when something new came along, when the door was closed and HR is trying to figure out the future of where we're trying to head, I had sponsors in that room that were advocates for me and for my career. And they were willing to say, yeah, Catherine can do this. You know, she's got a track record of getting the results. So there's a big difference between the mentor and the sponsor. And I really believe in that sponsorship is um, it's going to be really important for career growth. Yeah, and if you're kind of giving, like you said, and, and doing things without asking for anything in return, you're going to naturally have those advocates, regardless of you know who they've seen or what level they've been in, in one room or another at some point. And I think it's just like creating yourself or positioning yourself where you're 
almost non-replaceable because you have your hands in so many things. You've helped so many people and you have capabilities that you've developed that it's like almost impossible to really replace you and replace all those job functions that kind of fall under your umbrella. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, I kind of joke that we're all replaceable, but in the event that you are, you know, stuff just happens and there's some things that we just can't control and things get downsized or projects end, et cetera. But if you end on a good note and you worked really hard and people remember that, it's going to be so much easier to get rehired later. It's going to be way easier to get references and testimonials. People want to have your back because you're successful and you help other people. And when you truly mean that, you truly show up and you're authentically that way, it just helps your career down the road even more. And uh, building all that goodwill up earlier into your career definitely makes it easier down the road for you. Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Um, I'm still working on it. It's definitely perfectionism. Um, I want everything to be perfect before it goes out. And it consumes a lot of time. It consumes a lot of energy. And it's just hard to give it up. Um, what I've learned over the years is I need to shoot for done and not always perfect. And it's hard now that I'm out on my own. I want everything to be perfect. I want everything to be reviewed. But at the same time, if I sit here and try to review things countless times, it's never going to get out the door. So I've got to give myself a little bit of empathy and just say, look, I'm doing the best I can with what I've got. I'm taking a chance. And um, this is something that I've always wanted to do. So let's just not strive for perfection. Let's go for done and let's not go for perfect. Yeah, I agree. I, I found that a lot in terms of creatives, in terms of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, uh, C-suite executives, because their business or their role is kind of like their baby. They don't want to put something out in the market or to people where it's like they don't think it's 100% done. But it, personally, I don't think it's ever 100% done. Like you said, have it as close as possible, put it to the market and let the market judge. Obviously, in that sense, you get insights, you see if it's accepted, you see any feedback, and then utilizing that feedback, refine or pivot. But if you keep stalling and stalling, you're never going to launch something because you're always going to have kind of a doubt. Maybe I'll tweak this or add this or that. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of kind of higher level in terms of high level achievers kind of go through that problem as well. Yeah. So I tested that. I have a coach that I work with and I always want to provide tons of research and content, et cetera. And I've learned, you know, you can provide so much, but really what I need to do is just provide a skeleton and overview of this information. And so it's really hard, but on my website, I try every week to put, you know, new resources out there and I could put extensive papers and tons of research and resources, et cetera, but I try to stick to a one pager and if there's any interest in that one pager, people can reach out and we can talk more about it. We can figure out from that one pager, maybe there's only one topic that they're really interested in and they didn't need all the other research. And so we can take that conversation and see where it goes and let the customer or the client be able to lead the conversation because truly that's the one we're trying to serve. And so by trying to back off of this perfection and tons of research and over overload of information, this is just a way for me to kind of put some information out there, show that there could be a dialogue if there's interest, and then let it happen organically um, that way versus me wasting a bunch of time and not being able to accomplish more things in the day. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think with content or content strategy in that sense, you want to get to a point and add some kind of value really quickly. And if that person is truly interested in it, it'll be enough of a hook for them to then come back to you and you give something more detailed or another asset and keep giving them information and build that, build that kind of need or that trust or whatever they're looking for to achieve. And then eventually they can, you know, possibly become a client or if it's a course, you know, get your course. But starting off and just dumping information or like a very uh, ebook or a case study or something that's very um, heavy in terms of processing oftentimes kind of deters someone from you know, going further or, or making a decision. I totally agree. I had a conversation yesterday. It was an hour and a half. I thought it was going to be all over here, you know, just taking a left turn. This is what we're going to talk about. Literally one sentence changed the whole tone of that conversation and just blew up in a wonderful way. And we took a right turn. And I thought, that's a ton of opportunity that I would never have known about otherwise. But when you show up and you listen to the conversation and you just kind of listen to what other people are telling you, you can figure out where the gold is and you don't have to waste your time on all that research. You can find the gold in the conversation and then follow the curiosity to be able to help other people that way. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? Follow-up is going to be key. Um, we we joked about this back in bank training, and every bank I've ever been to, I feel like they've done this. Um, it's a process called 2-2-2. So follow-up at two days, thank someone, let them know that you appreciate the conversation, reiterate what it is that you learned. And then at two weeks, reach back out to that person. And again, just reiterate that this is the status of whatever the, the takeaways were from that meeting. And then again, at two months, the world is changing so fast right now. Um, following back up in two months, they may have a whole new set of needs that we didn't know about. So following this 222 process keeps you proactively in front of other people. It helps you serve them in a proactive way, and it allows you to lead with value. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important to touch base with people, regardless if it's a personal or professional, especially like in the times we're living in, because people may be going through something or something like creating a, a relationship, business or otherwise, it spills over sometimes personal or, you know, it intertwines in terms of professional. And if you're just there for a person, regardless if you're looking to follow up with a prospect or a lead, or if it's an existing client, you want to upsell them, or just, you know, how are you doing with the current climate? And maybe they're struggling, maybe somebody got sick, if you're there to just genuinely listen, and then maybe provide some kind of help. Uh, I mean, if it's a business sense, maybe offer a discount on something in terms of what they currently have or help them and or provide value or, or genuinely help them, that goes a long way and that creates more business and it creates in terms of kind of that uh, that vision of who you are as an individual, as a personal brand or a uh, brand in terms of a company. I think that goes a long way in, you know, currently and in the future. I totally agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Of course. Um, I have a website, katherinecanty.com, and it's C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-C-A-N-T-E-Y.com. And then also on LinkedIn, you can find me with my name, Katherine Canty. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. 
This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.